praise your name. We're thankful for all the blessings. and We're thankful for how you provide for us, how you watch over us, how you direct us, how you instruct us. Father, we pray for a more open spirit that our eyes be opened even more, that our hearing be opened more, to hear your voice, to see with your eyes, to see your vision. And not only that, Lord, help us to be obedient, to move when you ask us to move, to go where you ask us to go, to speak when you ask us to speak. Father, that's the only way that your will and your kingdom be established on this earth through us. It's through our obedience to you. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. There are mics at the front in the back of the sanctuary. If you are hearing or receiving something from the Lord, whether it's a word, a single word, or several, a scripture, prophetic word, please feel free to walk up to one of the mics and share what the Lord has placed on your heart. So my time speaking with um, the Father last night, even more so this morning, and uh, he gave me Jeremiah 4. I'm coming from Jeremiah 4:12, and he says, you know, the weeping prophet, and I feel in my heart that the Father's been so great. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not a doom and gloom person, but I will say that like COVID was supposed to be an awakening for the body of Christ. We may think it was so detrimental, but it was actually... I feel in my heart that it was the Father allowing it to happen so we could turn back towards Him. Because we are in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Let's just say it. And so, I'm going to read this scripture. It says, uh, Even if full wind from those places shall come unto me, now also will I give sentence against him. Behold, he shall come up as a cloud, and his chariot shall be as a whirlwind, and his horses are swifter than eagles. Woe unto us! For we are spoiled, O Jerusalem. Wash thy heart from wickedness, that thou mayest be saved. How long shall thy vain thoughts lodge within thee? And I'm like, Father, why did you really show me that? And he's like, because my where we are right now, and I'm, I'm speaking this as in the body as more so than the lost, is that 
We are not taking heed. We're all responsible. The body of Christ is all responsible. I'm not pinpointing one person. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not condemning. I'm not doing any of that. I'm just telling you the urgency I feel within my spirit man from the Father is that he wants us to really be seeking and praying and fasting right now and literally going in with him because there is going to be great um, disasters coming in the next couple months. There's going to be things coming up that we need to get prepared for. And I'm again, I'm not a doom and gloom, but I'm just sounding the warning is that we need to get prepared and we're not prepared at all. And so I'm just saying that as in as I bless this house of being here, um, I respect the man of God. And I respect uh, the fact that the father wants this to be out. It's very hard for me to speak this, but I can feel the presence of God on me so strongly right now. Because, again, I'm not, a, I'm not a person that likes to bring um, heed warnings that are so strong like this. But if I don't do it, then I'm, the blood is literally, if I don't speak it, then I, I'm like not saying I don't, then I'm saying I don't love God's people. I'm not speaking up and sharing what he has on his heart. And I know he loves us so much, that's why he sends warnings. Warnings after warnings after warnings. So please hear my heart. Psalm 106 says uh, 23. Therefore he said that he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him to turn away his wrath from destroying him them. I wrote down this morning uh, as long I'm going to read this the bottom line <laughs> in, this, in these passages of Psalm 105 and 106 you hear of Israel's story from deliverance to disobedience to deliverance and uh, God's loving kindness. The bottom line I wrote down is God preserves his inheritance and we are his inheritance, his people um, because of his promise and his covenant, as long as, here we get to the Moses, one person is willing to stand for him. One. One person. So that, everything's a so that, his inheritance, his chosen, will be lights in the darkness for him. Objects of compassion in the presence of their captors. Psalm 106, 46. Be the hope for your sphere of influence. The conduit of God's deliverance, the light of his love.
He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you may seek refuge. This faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. You will not be afraid of the terror by night or of the arrow that flies by day of the pestilence that stalks you in the dark darkness, or of the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. You will only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. people of God, the Lord our God, the Lord is our God, and the Lord is one. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength.
love you, O Lord. You are our strength. The Lord is our rock. He's our fortress and our deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield, the horn of my salvation, and my stronghold.
Psalm 19. The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of His hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out to all the earth, and their utterance to the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. He rejoices as a strong man to run his course. His rising is from one end of the heavens, and his circuit is to the other ends of them. And there is nothing hidden from his heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, more than much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honeycomb and the drippings. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Acquit me from, acquit me from, of, of hidden faults. Also keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I will be blameless and I shall be acquitted of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock, my redeemer.
the Lord is directing me to read this Psalm 5. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and the deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. In fear of you, I will worship toward your holy temple. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth Their inward part is destruction. Their throat is an open tomb. They flatter with their tongue. Pronounce them guilty, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions. But let all those who rejoice who put their trust in you, let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. But let those who love your name be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor, you will surround him as with a shield. And we hear this so much that he is our shield. Who then ascends into the presence of the Lord? And who has the privilege of entering into God's holy place? Those who are clean, those whose works and ways are pure, whose hearts are true and sealed by the truth, those who never deceive, whose words are sure, they will receive the Lord's blessings and righteousness given by the Savior God. They will stand before God, for they seek the pleasure of God's face, the God of Jacob. The Word of God says that He will never leave us nor forsake us. And if we belong to him, he lives in us. And he's God who has done so much, so marvelously. He will not forsake us in this that's about to happen. We need to stand strong in him and use the weapons of our warfare and prevail. Stand. 
and fight for your wives and your husbands and your children and your grandchildren with your word of God and all that he's given us to fight with, we will be victorious because he is victory and he lives in us. He made us to be overcomers. Stand. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, or envying one another. But I make a declaration over this ecclesia today that we will all receive an extra measure of the fruits of the Spirit. I declare that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control is given to each of us in an extra measure as we do go through these trials, these testings, these temptations in these last last days. In all things, Lord God, help us to stand with your power and your strength in the beautiful name of Yeshua. the righteous to repentance, but sinners. Father, we stand in agreement with you and your love. people out there that have done things that uh, they don't think they can come to you. I pray, Father, that we would show them your heart, your love. I call them in. Help us to stand in that gap. And be that people you've called us to be. In our Father's house, there is abundance. My table is never empty. There is always more than enough and free for the taking. For the Lord is a rock, immovable, firm,
foundation, full of wisdom, grace, and mercy. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there is no darkness in Him. For you shall be perfect as your Father is perfect. And you shall be holy, for your God is holy. You have all the potential within you to reflect my glory, my nature, and my likeness. Stand firm in the face of our enemies that have come to steal, kill, and destroy. With a word, I will confound them. You follow me. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward the sky, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even a darkness which may be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the sons of Israel had light in their dwellings. Four, two. But if we have, we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by the manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled. It is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, 
We do not believe lest the light of the gospel or the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure and treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Amen. Glory. Is anyone not feeling well this morning? You have some kind of bodily condition that you would like to be healed from? Or do you have a bodily condition that you want to keep? (laughs) Anybody? You still have your taste buds? Yeah, keep them. Hold on to them. They come in handy. Yeah. Absolutely. Amen. Would you like for us to pray for you, Tyler, for that? Let me uh, just share something real quick um, concerning that. It's out of Matthew 14. Healing 
as well as casting out of demons, receiving anything from the Lord, requires faith. And faith is simply putting trust and confidence in God. That's all it is. It's not spooky. It's not hard to identify. It's just putting trust and confidence in God. And one of the best, simplest um, illustrations of faith in the Gospels is in Matthew chapter 14, as far as I'm concerned. In Matthew chapter 14, when Jesus was walking on the water at night and he was approaching his disciples in a boat. And in verse 28, Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Peter had the sense enough To know he had to have a word from God. He couldn't just say, oh, I believe it. I believe I can walk on water, so I'm stepping out and I'm going to walk on water. He knew he could do it if Jesus said he could do it. That's faith. Faith is hearing what the Lord is saying. And then responding. So Peter said, if it's you, give me a word. Just say, command me to come to you. And I love what Jesus said. He said one word, come. He asked for the word. The word was given. Now faith is responding to his word. Even though it's dark, even though it's in the middle of a storm, even though in the face of the natural law, it's absolutely impossible. Peter steps over the side of the boat and he begins to walk. That's faith. Faith is not initiated by us. It's not, I'm just going to do it because I can believe I can do it. I'm going to pray for somebody for healing just because I believe it can happen. I'm going to cast out a demon because it's getting a word from the Lord. And then it's acting on that word. And that's exactly how Jesus lived. He said, I only said, say what I hear the Father say. I only do what I see the Father do. That's faith. We've turned faith into something so difficult and so confusing and really, we've turned it into a lot of witchcraft. If I just believe enough, I'm not sure what the point of enough is. But it's really, that's why it's so important to hear from the Lord. Now, as far as with healing, there, and I'll just explain this. I know some of you have heard this millions of times, but the Lord had asked me some time ago, several years back now, why do you ask me to heal people? Because, see, that's what we've been taught. We've been taught to lay hands on people and ask the Father to come and heal them. And, I, and that question stunned me, and I just said out of my mouth just as quick as I heard it, well, aren't I supposed to? And he never answered me. And I've learned enough with the Lord that when he doesn't answer, he wants me to discover the truth, and not by phoning friends, by getting into his word. And so I got into his word and discovered 
Jesus never, not one time, asked his father to heal anybody. Not only that, he never taught his disciples to ask God to heal anybody. Then the disciples never asked God to heal anybody when they were performing healing. And they never taught us to ask God for healing. And we do have scripture where it says, you go heal the sick. He's passed that authority on to us. But again, it has to function by faith. Not just believing enough. It's what is God actually saying? Because there's all kinds of reasons for sickness. You could be eating something that doesn't agree with you, drinking something. You can be using a toxin maybe in your home that the Lord will say, get rid of that out of your house. Quit using this shampoo. Stop using that, whatever it might be. Don't eat this anymore. Stop drinking that. Or eat this and drink this. Or sickness is caused by sin sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes it is. Sometimes sickness is caused by a demon. Sometimes it's generational. Our bodies are subject to sickness and disease in this earth. Thank God he's provided a way for them to be healed. But it's what? How are we to be healed? And Jesus modeled this because he healed people different ways. Said different things. But in church, see, what we've learned is you just come, you come up to the front, lay hands, ask God to heal. Without taking the time to what is God saying? So a couple illustrations, Um, and this goes back when we started New Covenant. The day, the very day I left uh, the youth ministry position, that night, um, my heart went into AFib, and I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what was going on. I just felt uncomfortable, and um, I had people pray for me. Renee prayed for me, went to bed. I woke up in the same condition. I went around by the pool to get something out of the skimmer, and I thought I was going to pass out. And I heard, I heard the Lord's voice say, call the emergency room now. See, now I've got, I've got a point of faith. Regardless of what he said, he said, call the emergency room now. I did. They said, get here right away. I get there. I, my heart was 180 beats a minute all night. They said, you could have stroked. You could have stroked out very easy. They injected me on both arms with stuff to get my heart to stop, and they couldn't. They were arranging a life flight to send me somewhere else. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm 30-some years old. I'm laying there after they leave to go do that. I'm like, I'm like God, this is just ridiculous. Really, this is ridiculous. I, that's how I felt. It's like, this is ridiculous. My heart's still going. So I start speaking to my body, and they come in, and I watch the machine and went, I didn't need to be isolated anywhere. Is that a miracle? Yes, but it's really, fa- God, what are you saying? I blew out one of my knees. 
my meniscus was gone. I had an MRI done on it. They said, oh, yeah, you got, we got to go in there. You got to flap. You got to tear. You got, I couldn't hardly walk. I say this, and I'm passionate about it because I didn't believe in healing prior to all of this. I wrestled with this. And I'll tell you something. We didn't have insurance, and sometimes that's a motivation. When you don't have the money or insurance to seek the Lord, <laughs> you don't have any options, and I'm not, you know. The, the, it was hard getting into my truck, out of my truck. I was limping. I could not kneel down. I wouldn't be mowing the grass sometimes, and I'd stop and fall. It, I, it was in severe pain. So I asked the Lord, Lord, what do you, how do you want this to be healed? I can ask people to pray and all of these things, and sometimes there's, that's effective. But the Lord was, he's teaching me, right, through this whole process. And the way the Lord teaches you is on the job. It's just the way he does it. And he told me, and I, I can't remember, it's been so long ago. He said to, uh, I think it's start taking magnesium. Do you remember, Renee? There were some, several things. Start taking magnesium. There was a vitamin. A B6, vitamin B6. Now, I'm not even smart enough to know if this has anything to do with it. Oh, wait a minute. I got that mixed up. That was my kidney. That's a whole not, that was my kidney. Okay. I've been healed of several things. It's wonderful. Amen. <laughs> I get the stories mixed up. So, my knee... Here's what the Lord told me about my knee. Okay, and this doesn't make sense. And I didn't want to do it. He said, I want you to speak to it. And then I want you to go to the gym and work it out. That's exactly opposite of what a doctor would tell you to do. And I went, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I didn't say that. I was like, okay. So I started speaking to it. And I go to the gym. I was like, oh, this isn't going to be fun. And I'd sit in that thing, you know, the, the bench where you'd lift, do the leg lift, and I didn't have any weight on it at first. And I just was doing that as often as I could. And I would speak to my knee. I can run now. I can kneel down now. I've never had an operation done on, on him. Okay, here's the thing. That was a generational thing. My dad's got AFib. He's been on medication for it for years with the heart. My brother and my, my dad, my brother's had knee replacement. My dad needs them, but he's 91 years old. Generational type of a thing. Kidney stones. I had five babies. <laughs> I've given birth to five. How many of you had kidney stones? You know what I'm talking about. They're beautiful, aren't they? Them little boogers. That's when, you know, I, I had five and it's like, okay, this is ridiculous. My mom's got kidney stones. My brother's got kidney stones. It's another generational thing. You don't have to accept that. I'm born again now. I got, I, I got my daddy's DNA. I'm not accepting that and just lay down. Okay, well, I guess I have to put up with it. So I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? I don't know what to do about this. Take magnesium, vitamin B6, speak to your kidneys. I think there was one other thing. Huh? Yeah, that's the worst one. How is... He said, cut down on your salt. Now, I didn't even know if any of those things had anything to do with it, but that's what he told me, and I did it. That's been... I was here once. We had a, we had a men's meeting, and I had a kidney stone attack, and I was sucking carpet in my office. I mean, I was in such pain. 
I woke up out of that and the hallways full of people and everybody's praying for me. It was horrible that couple of years I was going through that. And that's been more than 10 years ago. I haven't had one since. And I didn't have to quit salt, thank God. Because I'm a saltaholic. I said all that just to say is what is God saying? What, what is God saying for Tyler's healing? Speak to it. Drink a glass of water. I mean, God can say anything. Stand on your head and spit wood nickels. Whatever. I mean, Jesus, right? Spit on a guy. Man, I've been waiting for the Lord to tell me that one. <laughs> Make mud, put it on the eyes. Sometimes he wasn't even there. Just said the word. Sometimes he said, your faith saved you. Go and sin no more. There are so many different. So what, what's he saying? So let's practice this for just a minute. Let's just take a minute or two. And I want you to just to focus on the Lord. We're going to focus on Tyler and his healing. What's, he, what's the Lord saying? And then if you're hearing something specific, not out of your emotions, not something you heard from someone else, but something that the Lord is speaking, I just ask you to come and lay hands on Tyler and speak that. It doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out prayer and saying every scripture you can think of. It could be one word. Anybody at all hearing something specific? Even if you're not even sure, right? This is a safe place. Go ahead, Mike. Thank you, Lord.
bless you, Lord. Now, let me add one other thing uh, when it comes to healing. If, what's that? Yeah. Yeah. There are times, obviously, that we may not be hearing anything specific from the Lord. But we still have this. That we can pray the word over ourselves or others if we're not hearing anything specific. You know why Jesus walked by some people that had already died, cemeteries, and did nothing? Or some people that were sick and he didn't do anything? Do you know why? Because he only did what he saw the Father do, and the Father didn't tell him. Father told him he did it. That's faith. It's, it's very, very simple. The, the most difficult part of it is hearing and recognizing God's voice above everything else. Our emotions, what we want to see happen, our theology sometimes. All of that. Hearing and recognizing the voice of God is so vital. Especially in this day. What is He saying? What's He leading us to pray about, to prophesy, to decree? Preach about. Do for a living. All of these things. Before we get into my three-and-a-half-hour message this morning, um, well, we want to bring up a couple things that is happening in Jeff City tomorrow, a couple bills. And um, did you have some stuff, too? So uh, there's a committee hearing in the state senate um, in the local government. You can come on up with that. and The local government and elections committee. And, uh, yeah. And Tony has some uh, paperwork on this, too. So here's the two bills. There's uh, Senate Bill SB 16, and I think we might have talked about that a week or so ago. That is a bill that Senator Searpoy has been pushing for weighted voting in Jackson County and all county committees. And there was so much pushback a week and a half or so ago when this went to a committee hearing that they canceled the, the meeting. And now it's rescheduled to be heard again tomorrow. In the same committee, there's another bill. It's called SJR 30 that Senator Ben Brown is putting forward because, you know, there, our elections are so affected, and um, they're wanting, and even some Republicans are behind this stuff, that a push for ranked choice voting. And if you don't understand ranked choice voting, you don't want it. We don't want it. 
And this bill, SJR 30, that Ben Brown is presenting tomorrow to be heard in the same committee along with this SHR 15, is, is got some language in there to prevent race choice voting from entering our elections. It's, it's vitally important. That's why we're going to take just a few minutes. I just wanted to mention that. Uh, I'm not sure exactly. What do you have? Yeah. Yeah, if they were to pass through the committee, yeah, it would change the way we uh, carry on our elections. Yeah, absolutely. It, yeah. It'll change our life, actually. Yeah, Alaska has ranked choice voting. That's how they kept, uh, what's her name? Yeah, Sarah Palin out. Um, it, it's just a rigged election system, and we don't want it. And some Republicans are behind this, too. Some Same thing with weighted out. voting. I may take a, a, a – may I divert a little bit and give a little bit of a background here? Yeah, yeah. I, okay. Um, and if I get too long-winded, hang, you know, Joe will put the hook and take me out. And I'll have Sarah uh, cut you off. Okay, yes. All right. I wanted to share with you, you know, we hear, I mean, in a way, talking to all of you is like singing to the choir, all right? Um, yeah, we heard that, Tony. Yeah, we're, we're, you know, we vote and all this other stuff. I want to share with you a little bit about my background. I came, my dad was basically, there became, when I was young, my dad became very ill. And my mother moved me in with my aunt and my grandfather, and it was an extremely hostile environment. And I spent most of my time studying or in the library. I found it very safe. I didn't have a lot of friends, not that I didn't want to have friends. It just books were safer at that point. I turned to the Bible as part of my research, and now I'm kind of in my 20s at this point, really kind of studied it, and started to pick up on the fact that we are at a spiritual, uh, that there's spiritual warfare. And most churches don't teach about that. They don't. You can even go to a church and ask, do they teach about Revelation? Oh, that's in the future. We don't talk about it. It's too hard to understand, and that sort of thing. It's a good way to turn around and walk out if your pastor ever says that to you. Yes, and that's why we're very fortunate to have Joe, who's not afraid to address spiritual warfare. As we, as a group, start to become stronger, the devil is fighting back and is fighting back very, you know, very intensely, okay? And every ounce of me wants to go back into that library. I mean, I really want to just check out, go back to my research, and just pretend this isn't happening. Except that I have a son who had to sell his truck. That might not sound like a big thing. Rick and I have enough money that we can pay the price of eggs. We can't go to Europe or do anything, but we, we'll, we'll make it through this inflationary period until eggs start becoming $50 a, a gallon or, you know, dozen or whatever. But my son had to sell his truck, this truck that he's been saving up for most of his life because he couldn't afford gas and his family and everything else like that. So it hits home. Coming today here is I ran out of paper. I went to two stores, couldn't find any copy paper. You know, so this is this is at our door front, you know, our front door much more than we might ever think it is. I have some paperwork here. I've got some things. If you would like, I'm starting to to write updates about what's going on in the state capitol. I'm getting it from JodyGrace.com. She's there every single day. She's an amazing woman. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've met her oh, yeah, or I not. Know Jody. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to ask you 
Do you have, can I send this to you? Would you send it out to the congregation? Yeah. What, there's things that are coming up now. Our biggest fight right now isn't so much the Democrats. It's the rhinos. You know, look, look what happened to Arizona. They're a red state. And they're the ones that have caused the biggest backdrop as to being able to get things done. Missouri is going in that same direction. And I believe in all my heart that Searpoy is trying to turn the state purple and then blue. And I think some of our governors are in that same direction as well. We have some hope with Bill Igel, who so far seems to be on the right side of things, right? Um, and so what I'm going to ask all of you is when we send this out, there is going to be a list of names on this, the local government and elections committee. The hearing is, we thought it was done. This is the Searpoy with the weighted average. What happens if you're in the committee, if you're in the Repub Jackson County Republican Committee, can I get a history on that or is that too yeah, much? No. Yeah. We voted a way to a certain extent that Mike Searpoy didn't like. The committee was kind of pushing back on Searpoy. That following week, he introduced this bill so that certain people in the committee will have a lot more votes. So let's say um, the chair of the Republican committee, who was who's really siding with Searpoy, he may end up getting 120 votes compared to maybe my four. So all of the power of the county, of the committee, of the central committees, will go into a selected few based upon this bill that he's trying to do, which will essentially marginalize the grassroots. Mike's shaking his head. So what they're trying to do is marginalize the grassroots in the Republican Party. And so if you could take time out to call these people or write later on tonight or tomorrow morning, I'm sorry if I'm getting emotional. It's just that the fight's getting intense, and we've got to be tough and go to it. Am I done? Yeah, Can I yep, be done? Good. Yeah, that's good. So what, what this information is, is there's uh, seven um, senators on the committee, and it's their contact information. And it'll tell you, too, a little bit about, you have a little bit about SB 16, SJR 30. Um, so, and it's just to contact them and say no on SB 16, yes on SJ uh, 30. Yeah, SJR 30. Yeah, and then there's a House bill. Yeah. That's why we need to send it, because it is a little confusing. I understand it can be real confusing if you're not used to all of this kind of stuff. But that's how we're going to make a difference is when people are involved, right? The government is, is for the people and uh, of the people. And so we have to be more involved. We have to be paying attention more and then more involved. And it's not going to – you don't have to drive all the way to Jeff City and testify like Jerry's going to, right? You're still going tomorrow. And um, you're going with him? Good. Did you have anything you wanted to say about it at all? Well, the, the whole session of Jeff City is just being a controlled environment. Um, you have basically the House rules especially just came in and gave all the powers to the, um, the House leader. He can decide what bills go where and whether or not they do, um, as opposed to having any kind of 
back channels or alternate channels to move stuff that most everybody would think is important. If he doesn't want it, it doesn't go. Um, so that's really laid the groundwork and messed up a whole lot of stuff. Um, but it, it's basically the, all the powers that be. Now, you keep talking about rhinos and um, others, but we have the establishment, but we also have undeclared Democrats running as Republicans. Mm -hmm. It's not just rhinos. And um, they, there's such a big fight against closed elections. And what's the, the biggest deal there is the fact that people that profess to share the values of a given party are able to choose who their candidates, who their leaders are. Uh, they're trying to stop that, that the powers that be just control it all, and that's that. No opposition, no chance to refute. Um, so it's all, all part of their game plan. They are cramming so many bills through. And it's just hard for the average citizen to even know what's going on, let alone even ones that are actively involved. It, it's like a fire hose just coming right out. And all the bad bills are out there. The good bills are getting slowed down and pushed back. And even the bad bills such as SB 16 just thrown right back out again. Uh, they figured the opposition's died down and say, let's put it out there. Well, it's not going to be safe. Now, the reason, it's not just SB 16. It's their motivation to control the environment and not let the average citizens and taxpayers of Missouri declare what should be done. That is the whole problem. They want to control everything. That shouldn't be that way. Um, what it does, well, with rate the ranked choice voting uh, or Serpoy's uh, weighted voting for committee members, it's not right. And what it does, it, it complicates everything. And it's just like with Alaska, they had ranked choice voting. They had, quote, unquote, rules. But nobody knew the details of the rules. And so when they get into the back room, and they start eliminating the lower players, um, the lower candidates, they decide how they're going to divvy up the votes that they're splitting up. And so they don't declare all the rules, they don't publicize all the rules, and so they can make all this backroom maneuvering and changes. And that's what everybody's trying to prevent. There's no transparency, um, because there's many options that you can do it's like playing any other game. You decide what all the details. Well, do you get to roll the dice twice? Mm -hmm. what, what if you get doubles again? Do you get to roll them again forever? Well, that's what they're trying to do. Well, well, they didn't kick Serpoyat. Oh, that is a whole. I talked to Dan Stacy last night. Okay. Um, well, let's, let's not get too. It no, we're not, I, don't, I don't want to go. Yeah. But it's basically they're trying to make things overly complicated rather than having transparent uh, election decisions that everybody can see. Well, that's why the use of the machine. You can't see what's in the black box. Yeah. And that's why they use it. So it, it, things just need to be more transparent for everybody to see what's going on and to be involved and to push for greater transparency involvement. Exactly. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. Very good.
Well, Amy, I've had everybody else say something. Do you want to say anything about anybody? <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad you were transparent enough to yeah. say it. <laughs> when, you, when you hear something like that and you start moving towards that direction, you know, like I went down to Louisiana one time and I kept hearing this noise in my car. And I thought, what's wrong with this car? It sounds like it's falling apart. And finally the voice said, you need to go and stop and go in the store and buy a rotary phone. So I did. And those front right front wheels were breaking. Yep. So, yep. And that's, that's how God will speak, you know, speak to us. Let me just wrap something up about the political part of it. We have to be more engaged. We have to pay attention. Here's why I'm passionate. I say this all the time. Why I'm passionate about politics and government. Because it affects every one of us. It affects the unborn. It affects babies. It affects young, old, doesn't matter what ethnicity. It affects everybody. That's, this is one of the things I can't understand why more pastors aren't engaged. If we really care about people... We will care about politics and government. If you can turn to Genesis chapter 1. And so we're going to try to help. It's, very, it's really hard but uh, to keep some of these things out in front, to keep informed so you can respond. You don't have to do anything but send a, an email or make a phone call and say, hey, I'm for this or I'm against this. Genesis chapter 1. I just figured we'd start at the beginning of the book and just, you know, it's always a good place to start, right? And, and maybe I should get there myself. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Yeah, the beginning. Genesis 1, 26. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, over every creeping thing. And there's a lot of creeping things <laughs> that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. Just two genders. It's very simple. He created them. God blessed them, verse 28, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. In these three verses I just read, the word them is used four times. The word man is mankind. It's not the male. It's mankind. So let's read this again. Verse 26. God said, let us make mankind in our image according to our likeness. Who is God talking about when he says our? Our likeness, our image. What about the angels? Yeah. 
Oh, no. All right. So when he says, let's make mankind in our image, he's talking about who again? The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay? And he says, let them rule. Them who? Mankind. Uses. Usums. <laughs> yeah, that's the word. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over everything that creeps on the earth. God created mankind in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. What's he saying so far? He created us in his likeness, in his image. Everything he is, we are. Pure and holy. What I want to do this morning is just lay the foundation. I Sometimes when things get a little crazy, like, God, what do you mean by this? Well, how did you, what was your original intent? I always go back to Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 and sometimes chapter 3. Because he lays it all out. And it helps me realign. Because he lays out our purpose. He lays out why we were created. He lays out who he gave authority to and how we are to function. As man, as woman, as husband and wife and family. It's all there. Now, I found this interesting. I don't think anybody did this on purpose, but I didn't hear. One of the things he laid out was, is for us to rule. And it's one of the things that's not talked about all that often. And it's definitely something the enemy wants to keep us ignorant of. So let's look at this again. God said, let us make mankind in our image. Both male and female are created in his image. Male's not superior. Female's not inferior. Both of them equal in his image. And let the man rule. No, it's not what he said. He said, let them, male and female, are to rule. Isn't that what he said? You see how sometimes doctrines and stuff gets all cattywampus when we don't look back at what did God say? It's really sickening to me when I hear anti-female messages sometimes being preached and man ruling, husbands ruling over their lives. That's an anti-Christ, anti-message, anti-Scripture message. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky, over the cattle and over all the earth and everything that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. Mankind, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, both male and female make up mankind. He created them. Verse 28, God blessed the man. No, he blessed them. 
male and female, mankind is blessed by God. What are they blessed to do? And God said to them, them, both of them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Period. Somebody tell me I'm wrong. There's no period there. Fill the earth and subdue it. And rule. Not just the man. Mankind. Man and woman. Male and female. Together. Ruling over the earth. Amen. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing. Have you noticed that he repeats himself? Because if it's on there twice or more, it's going to be on the test. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed man of the dust from the ground. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Is this the male? Or is this mankind? <laughs> oh, this is fun. Yeah, Alita. Uh-huh. Mankind. And the scripture answers it. We'll keep reading. If I can find my place. The Lord God formed man of dust from the ground. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden towards the east in Eden. Garden means enclosure. Eden means delight. He made an enclosure of delight. And there he placed the man. It literally means to be set at rest. God set mankind at rest in an enclosure of pleasure and delight. So what does that tell us for today? (laughs) That's what we were created for. We were created... To be in this place of pleasure and delight. I'm going to get sideways if I don't, if I go off on that. Out of the ground, the Lord caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Let's skip down to verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and he put him into the garden. To 
cultivate it and keep it. Now, there's a problem of some translation here. But the words literally mean to worship and obey. Because you'll notice later in Genesis 3, as a result of the curse, then work came in to be laborious and sweating. Now, I like to say this because this is what God spoke to me personally. And I do think it fits with the Scripture. He used this Scripture to speak to me years ago, and he said, this is what I want from you, Joe. I want you to cultivate a relationship, a fellowship with me, and keep it. I was like, that's pretty easy. Yeah, the, the, the gospel message the, for us created being, it's very simple. When we cultivate this fellowship and relationship with Him and we keep it, we also keep our habitation of this enclosure of pleasure and delight. It is at the moment that Adam and Eve didn't worship and obey, they lost that habitation. Right? Verse 15 again, the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it, worship and obey. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. And the day that you eat, you will surely die, being separated. Death is being separated from God. That's when death entered, because even the aging process is the process of death. Verse 18, then God said, the woman alone is fine, but the man has got a problem. No, that's not what he said. He said, the Lord God said, it is not good for mankind to be isolated. Not good. Besides God telling the man not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the first thing he actually said is not good for mankind is to be isolated. Which is what the first thing they wanted to do to us during COVID. It is also a natural, not a godly reaction sometimes to retreat and to become isolated. Y'all are quiet, very quiet on me. But God says isolation is not good. He says, I will make him a helper suitable or that corresponds to him. Now, I want to ask you a question from just the things that we've read so far. God says it's not good for mankind to be alone. He's going to make a helper what would, and let's just, I'm just going to put it in the male-female, what would the male need help with? Now, I'm, I, that's why I preface this. Keep it in context of what we've read so far. Because we need a lot of help in a lot of areas. Well, I understand that. But what did God say 
And then he said, I'm going to make a helper that corresponds that's suitable. Yes. To be fruitful and multiply and to rule. Subdue and rule. Yes. Yep. Exactly. So he's going to make one, a helper, that is, will assist, come alongside. Not the doer, the helper. Who does that sound like? The Holy Spirit. So when God created mankind, he created us in his image and according to his likeness. It's not good to be isolated, which is fascinating to me. God's not even isolated. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And He created us to reflect His glory and to reflect His image, His nature, and His character. In the sense of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, among others. So I'm going to make a helper, one that will help come alongside, one that corresponds. I'm going to make two out of one. And this one I create will reflect the Holy Spirit as the helper. Verse 20-something. One. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon man, and he slept And God took one of his ribs and he closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. So what did God take from the man? So where did the woman come from? Came from the man. So when God created mankind as one, was Eve already there? Was the female already there? Yeah, because he took that feminine part away and created two out of the one. So where on the man did God take that rib? From the side. Not from the foot. Not from the head. But took it from the side. Literally, the rib doesn't just mean a bone or a rib bone. It literally means a side of man. God took a side. I jokingly, but it's true, when God took a rib from us men, He took a whole lot more than a rib. We're missing some stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it does. 
yeah, in the chromosome and the makeup of the, the gender of a baby. So, he took from the side to be by the side. Everything we've read, by, read so far, God created mankind, both male and female, to be fruitful and multiply and to rule together. Not just man, not just husbands. And we haven't got to the marriage part yet. Because God is establishing many things in these passages that we have read so far. But the Bible begins with family and it ends with family. The family of God. Ecclesia is a family dynasty. God is a, he establishes his governmental rule in Genesis chapter 1 and then in and 2. That every individual is responsible to God. Every individual. Male, female, we're all responsible to God. That's the basic form of government. God, us, and we're responsible to Him. Then God broadens this, creates the woman out of the man side by side, says that we are created in His image, so we, are, we have capability of reflecting the image of God, but even within the, the gender roles, we reflect a certain part of the Trinity. Paul, in the book of Ephesians, mentions this. He said, Husbands, you love your wives as Christ loves the church. Ecclesia, excuse me. So men, especially in the husband role, are to reflect Christ. Don't get nervous on me. The woman reflects Holy Spirit. She's the helper. Both man and woman submitted were responsible to God. God is telling us here the basic foundation of a successful marriage. If we will put things in order, in his governmental order, his creative governmental order. And the concept is not difficult. The living it out is. <laughs> but the concept itself is not difficult. So the husband and wife, he, he, he brings the woman. This is really good for young people, too, or those of you looking for a spouse. Allow the Lord to bring that spouse to you. That doesn't mean you, you, don't, you do what the Lord tells you and allow him to highlight it, that individual. The Lord spoke to me to ask Renee to marry me. I mean, that is, at the moment I was born again, he said, you go ask Renee to marry you. Now, that was a crazy thing because Renee and I had lived together for three and a half years prior to this, and we were broke up, and she wanted nothing to do with me. And the Lord said, you ask her to marry you. Okay. You see, I was so immature because I didn't even know what was happening to me at the time. I was so, I had nothing, I had no filters. You, know, you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes as we, we get into religious doctrines and theologies and wrong teachings, and we get all these filters and we got to work through. I had no filters. I just, I just knew what I was supposed to do. 
I think about that all the time because I think that's the way God likes to talk to us sometimes. We just know that we know this is what I'm supposed to do. He spoke to me three things. He said, get it. Yeah. He told me in, in the moment I was born again, get a job. That's a good one. Work. Get a job. I was in New York. Go back to Missouri and ask Renee to marry you. You see, God brought that together. He said, go do this. He didn't say it was going to be real easy. You see what I'm saying? So God, what he established right here, God brings the woman to the man. I love that. See, if we set things in order, what's the priority? God first. Seek first, Matthew 6.33. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and everything else will be provided for you. That's the order of God. And then he establishes it right here. I'll bring you the spouse. That's beautiful. And only God knows the best one for us. We might know what we want, what we like, but we may not know what's the best for us. He does. Just like what tree to eat from. So he brings the woman to the man. Verse 24, this is the reason man shall leave his father and mother. Why? The man is to leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. He's talking about an authority structure within the family. Because up to this point, there wasn't even a mother or father. There was Adam and Eve. That's why I think last week or the week before, I made mention that in casting out demons or, you know, performing healing or miracles, if you're dealing with a minor child, you always get the authority from the parent. Jesus never healed a minor child or a servant of another without getting authority from the one that was over them. And he never cast a demon out of somebody without that as well, if they were minors. There's a, there's a flow of authority. One of the most misunderstood things, I think, in the body of Christ is this flow of authority. And God is establishing it that he's God. I made man. I brought man and woman together. And the fabric of all society is husband and wife and family. And this is my family government. That's why the enemy hates family and hates marriage. And it works so hard to destroy it. Because everything hinges on that. The Bible starts with family, and it's going to end with family. We have strong congregations when you have strong families. You have strong businesses when you have strong families. You have a strong society, a strong politics when you have strong families. It's not because I said it. It's because that's the way God's designed it. And God gave children to nobody else except parents. For a husband and wife to come together and have children, that's the most fearful, awful, not, when I say awe, like A-W-E, full, like awe, not awful, awe, awe-filled, yeah, that might be awe-filled, responsibility, and the most important, responsibility, and for lack of better words, job is to teach and to train our children and raise them up to love God first. 
to know God. It is not public school's responsibility to teach our kids. That's why we're in the mess that we're in. We've turned them over to the government system. With the breakup, it always goes back to the family. Breakup of the family. You have single income. You have high high expenses for this and that. People want to, there's all kinds of reasons. But we have to bring back this authority the way God has functioned it to go. And to get two individuals, a man and a woman, in marriage to function this way, it is hard. And it's work. Because you've you got two different people, two different wills, two different process, whatever. But it's not impossible. Because it is the way God created it to function. And training up children and being responsible for our children. How many children that fatherless, home, fatherless kids, some parentless? I mean, there's all kinds of things that ha- have happened in, in society. The divorce rate in the body of Christ is the same as in the world. And it's this breakdown of this, this family. But it's the family government. This family... See, ecclesia begins in the family. What is ecclesia, bottom line? It's when we gather together to hear from God so we can speak and act for God. That's really it. Mom and dad coming together for their family to hear from God so they can speak and act for God. What do I do with Johnny? What do I do with Sarah? What's the best education for them? What's the best way to teach them in training? What's the best discipline? Because if you discipline all your kids the same, it's probably not real effective because certain things are effective with one person that aren't with another. That's why Matthew 18 says, when you gather together where two or three are gathered together, it's talking about discipline within the congregation. I'll be there in your midst to do what? Give you instruction on how to deal with this. Because you can't cookie cutter everything. We've got to hear from God. Isn't it interesting it all comes back to that? Hearing from God. And God, what are you saying? The fabric of the government of God is family government. And we have teachings in the body of Christ. Matter of fact, men ruling over women is Genesis 3. It's part of the curse. Part of the curse says, your desire will be for your husband and he'll rule over you. That's part of the curse. That's not part of the blessing in the way God's designed it. God put man and woman together side by side to function as one under the headship and leadership of God the Father. And when we bring that, and we, it, it's the same way with, you know, even the, the, the congregation, right? The body of Christ illustrated in a body. We all have different parts. We're not the whole in, one, in, our, in and of ourselves. We don't know everything. We don't do everything. We need all of the parts functioning. It's, it's typified in the marriage. We need one another to function properly within the, in the, in the uh, in family. Now, that doesn't mean that you're left out if you're single. Because sometimes God calls people to be single. Paul was single. And he makes up that portion, right? 
Yeah, we all come from family. <laughs> yep. Matthew 28, I'll close with this passage. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples. Immediately we have been trained to think out there. Where do you start making disciples? Right in your family. Husband and wife, mom and dad, making disciples out of their children. Modeling it, teaching, instruction, right there. Go therefore and make disciples of all ethnic groups, nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. Immerse them in Father, immerse them in Son, immerse them in Holy Spirit. And then I love this. He gives us a promise. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. I'll be with you in this journey and in this process. I'll tell you how to do it. I'll tell you all the details. The when, the what, the where, the how, as you're going along. Father, what are you saying? You see, a parent in this, this authority, there's so many other branches to this. But, but the authority a parent is given to even pray and to speak into the life of their kids is just enormous. And God modeled this for us. Jesus modeled this for us. When he was baptized, it says he came up out of the water and a dove, like a, the Spirit of God came on him. So he was water baptized, baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then God spoke. His daddy spoke to him. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. There's nothing like the voice of dad, heavenly dad or biological dad, being proud and speaking life into their son. You know, and I've talked about this before recently because there's a lot of dads that don't even know any of this. Or that may have passed on. But that's the benefit of we have a God that will never die. 
that loves us. See, this, I, never, I didn't receive that from my earthly dad, but I did receive this from my heavenly father. And when he, not that he spoke those exact words, but he spoke that over me, meaning I am giving you my approval. Validation. I love you. I'm for you. I'm with you. You see, everything that happened right there in that event with Jesus' life as he was living as a human being gave him everything he needed. He was now equipped because right from there, it says the Holy Spirit led him out in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He had all of that given to him. Now he's equipped to go out and face the enemy for 40 days. You see? That identity that God speaks into us and that validation that God gives us. And how beautiful that in the Hebrews have that in in giving that to uh, in bar mitzvah and giving that into their children and and speaking that blessing over them. You see, Jesus, uh, Joseph was was already passed away by the time Jesus received this, but Joseph couldn't do it for Jesus, his stepfather, because he was his stepfather. He wasn't biological. That's why God spoke. You're my son. When you become born again. You now have the DNA of God on the inside of you. You get a brand new dad. And he's got a lot to say to us. And say over us and speak into us. That equips us and gives us everything we need. Last thing. I've I've jokingly said this, but there's some truth to this. That when I know my wife, the woman God gave me, is for me. Whatever venture we're doing, right? Whatever. I know she's for me. I can eat barbed wire. You know what I'm saying, men? When you know God's with you, I know, not, not theologically, not because the Bible says so, you know it in your heart because you've encountered God and He spoke to you and He spoke over you and you know that, you can face anything. You can go anywhere, face anybody and anything because you know it. It's not just some theological. See, when you're when you are being uh, uh, encountered with something evil, demonic, whatever it is, that will that will become very evident if you have not had that encounter with the Father, because we're not equipped to stand. We might think we are. That's why becoming born again is an is a is a encounter with the living God. It's, it's not just church attendance and we know a bunch of scripture. It's having that living encounter with God that nobody can talk us out of. Right after I became the youth pastor, I know I keep saying I'm quitting. Right after I became a youth pastor, I went through a dark night of the soul where I felt like I was, I literally had this vision. I was in a toilet and it was flushed and I was spinning in any second. I had more demonic attacks. I had thoughts of suicide. All of the drugs I've ever... I'm in the ministry now. All of the drugs I've ever done, never thought about suicide, not one time. Clean, serving the Lord. Got into the ministry. I got thoughts of suicide. I have thoughts of divorce. Never had thoughts like that. Just tormented. Anybody know what I mean? 
I was in a charismatic church. You don't dare say anything like this in some charismatic churches because all of a sudden, what sin are you in? You've got a lack of faith. So I kept it quiet. Worst mistake of my life because I never even told the woman that God gave me until one day I'm preaching on it and she's in the audience. That's not a good way, men, for your wives to hear about certain things. That was not good. But I said all that to say, you know, when you're, you pray and it feels like you're just hitting iron, like your prayer doesn't even really get out of your mouth and it just, it's gone. It's like God's over in China fishing and hanging out, you know, or whatever. He's not paying attention to you. You know all those feelings? Anybody know what I'm talking about? But the, but the thing I held on to, which is so very important, is I had a real encounter with God. And it changed my life. I may not know up from down right now, but I had that. And I held on to that. That was, the only, that was my lifeline. Because if I just had theology, because mom told me, dad told me, I heard a pastor say it once, wasn't going to cut it. I had, the real, I had a real encounter, and that's the only thing I held on to for days and weeks until that cloud lifted. Amen. Father, I thank you so much for this group, for this congregation. I ask that you would bless them, Father God, and I just decree they have ears to hear and eyes to see. They have a heart of obedience to you, that they would hear with clarity, and that they would be bold and courageous to speak what they're hearing, you speak, and to do what you're showing them to do. And Father, I just thank you so much for the relationships in this room. Thank you so much. The only thing we're taking with us, everything else is gone. But our relationships can be eternal. If you have never received Christ, you've never asked Him to come into your life, you might have been going to church forever. You might know the Bible better than I do. That means nothing. Unless you have been born again. You've been changed by the Spirit of God. Old things pass away. Behold, new things come. Invite Him into your life. Just ask Him. Maybe you identify with that dark night of the soul that I just mentioned. Maybe you identify with that. and Maybe that's where you're at. Just talk to Him in your own language. Just cry out for help. He's the one that will respond. He'll respond to you. He wants us more desperately than we want Him. He wants us to be one of His children more than we do. He wants us with us, Him for all of eternity more than we do. He's done everything that He can and He will speak to you on a personal level. He will reach you right where you're at. Thank God for that. He's not holding your sin over you. Christ already died for it. The thing that you just did last night or this morning on the way over here. He's not holding that over you and against you. But if you are, if you have and are in sin, repent. Just turn to Him. Repenting is not just quitting doing what you're doing. It's turning to Him. It's turn to Him. Don't even fight that sin. Don't fight that habit. It'll wear you out and beat you up. Just turn to Him and start following Him. Father, thank You. May everything we say and everything we do bring glory to Your holy name. Amen.
And amen. Bless you guys. Hey, if there's more donuts, eat them. If you want, there might be some peanut butter out there and some um, syrup. Put that all over your donut. Have fun with that. <laughs>